Hey, what's up, SFL Nation? And welcome back to SFL Nights with AJ Stryker. I hope you all had a great week and a great weekend. I did watching all the games, and there were some shootouts and some blowouts and some upsets to go all around. In this week's podcast, I will be talking, of course, SFL history. And then we'll be doing some team introductions, getting to know the teams of the SFL, owners and GMs. Then I have a fourth and goal interview with a special guest. After that, SFL review of week one and how my picks that I made actually stood up to those and my picks for week two as well. I got a lot of great stuff for you this evening, so let's get started. And now it's time for a little bit of SFL history. Did you know that on June 23rd, 2016, the league gained mass exposure from a write-up in Forbes magazine? And there was even a documentary called A New Frontier done about the SFL. With this newfound exposure, the SFL gained thousands of new fans and new signups, which resulted in full rosters for user players on the field. Later that year, October 25th to be exact, 40,000 people watched the SFL championship game on Twitch, which resulted in the SFL having five front page broadcasts for season 10. Awesome facts. This was a little information from the SFL media guide available by contacting Andy Hamilton for details. And now, we have the SFL Team Introduction segment of our podcast. I realize that some listeners may not know all of the SFL teams, nor their GMs, nor their owners. Well, here we are. First up, is the Alaska Storm. Owner, Mighty Storm to Range, GM, Ryan Davidson. The Atlanta Swarm. Owner, Mark Chisholm, GM, Marcus Dunhill. Baltimore Vultures. Owner, T. Patronini. Dallas Lobos. My apologies. Carolina Skyhawks. Owner, James Klein. GM, Chris Cologne. Chicago Wildcats. Owner, Shan Varner. GM, Maurice Spurgeons. Now, Dallas Lobos. Owner, Stephen Lobos Owner. GM, GM and DC Crash Combos. Denver Nightwings. Denver Nightwing owner is the owner, and B.J. Armstrong is the GM. The Houston Hyenas. D.R. Sims, 80, is the owner, and B.J. Loveless is the GM. Indianapolis Spitfires. Owner, James Richards. GM is... Turner Hendricks, Las Vegas Fury, 
We have the owner, Max Jackson, and GM, Merrick Atera. London Knights, we have Mr. Matthew Slynn, as well as Liam Crowder as the owners. And Mr. And Mr. Melanition as GM. Mexico City Aztecs. Ramos Lynn is the owner. And Matt Williams is a GM. The New Orleans Pharaohs. Double A24 Nola owner is the owner. And the GM Xander Gold. Oklahoma City Renegades. Owner is Renegade 9. GM, none at the moment. The Queen City Corsairs. Owner, QCC owner. GM, Nacho Sicario. San Francisco Sharks. We have the owner, Olgan Zulu. GM, Dylan Assel, as well as Gabriel Manning. Sioux Falls Sparrows, Jason1347 is the owner, and GM, AJ Levy, AJ. St. Louis Gladiators, we have owner Colin Douglas, and GM, Freeman Petler. Tallahassee Pride, owner, True Shot Caller, and GM, Christian Christensen. And for the Tulsa Desperados, we have Dion Hawkins as the owner, and Kanye Rockefeller as GM. And for the Vancouver Legion, we have Andy Hamilton as the owner, and Tom Pepper as GM. That's just a little introduction of all of the teams, the owners and the GMs. And as the season goes on, I'll be happy to go through each team and the rosters, give you a little bit of information about the teams as well. So you can get to know the teams just in case you want to join for the listeners that are not SFL members already. All right, guys. And next up, we have SFL Around the Water Cooler. And now we have SFL Chat Around the Water Cooler. I do realize that in my introduction, I did not mention that I was doing SFL Chat Around the Water Cooler. And apologies for that. But here we go. Alaska was stopped by Baltimore in the first game of the season. Baltimore offense stunned Alaska, as well as everybody else in the league. Hell has frozen over was the top comment in the chat that night. But I'll have a more in-depth look at that later. James Richards of the Indianapolis Spitfire gave us a sneak peek of the new 2019 Access player models. The depth and the clarity was absolutely beautiful. This upgrade will make significant improvements on visual presentation and environments. 
so much so that the high-resolution cutscenes will be added to increase presentation. Another area impacted by improved performance is graphics. 2018 models were inefficient because of the too much lagging. And the reason being was that the build was for 13 layers per player, times 22 players, and sideline players as well. New models will look so much better and will be down to 3 to 5 layers, so that games will run 10,000 times better. They're also recording motion capture to further enhance on-field plays to get us closer to high-quality plays that you can expect from AAA Studios. And let us know, James, how it all works out. And now we have our Season 12 Power Rankings. That was also a hot topic on, in the chat this week, too. Some people felt they should have been placed higher than others, and... Uh, well, we're definitely going to see how this changes after week one. Um, so number one, we have Alaska. Number two, Tallahassee. Number three, Houston. Number four, Mexico City. Number five, Baltimore. Number six, Queen City. Number seven, Sioux Falls. Number eight, Las Vegas. Number nine, New Orleans. Number 10, Vancouver. Number 11, Chicago. Number 12, Tulsa. Number 13, Denver. Number 14, Indianapolis. Number 15 is London. Number 16 is Dallas. Number 17 is Carolina. Number 18 is Atlanta. Number 19 is St. Louis. Number 20 is San Francisco. And number 21 is OKC. So we're going to see how all of this has changed after week one. Um, I think some people are going to have a significant fall. Um, some people are going to have a significant rise. So we're just going to see how it works out. But next up, we have our fourth and goal interview. everybody and welcome back to my fourth and goal interview. Today's special guest is none other than Tulsa Desperados coach and owner Dion Hawkins. Welcome. Welcome. To How are you doing tonight? I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Just chill. Good. Good to hear. Just got a few questions for you, coach. I know you're really excited about the season. Yeah, I'm always willing to help out, no problem. All right, beautiful. First one is, so where are you from? And what do you like to do in your spare time? Uh, well, I'm from um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was live Tulsa originally. Um, I grew up in Dallas, Texas, but then I moved back to Tulsa. Uh, my spare time, uh, like playing video games, football, uh, cooking and eating pretty much. <laughs> I always love some good food, so 
Okay, sounds good, man. Sounds fantastic. So what's your favorite NFL team and positions? And did you ever play football yourself? Uh, yeah, my, my favorite NFL team is Dallas Cowboys, obviously. <laughs> uh, yeah, I played I play football myself. Uh, I played wide receiver and cornerback anywhere in the secondary uh, in high school. And uh, I still play some now. I play uh, minor league football here in Tulsa. Uh, so I'm still doing that currently. So we got a season coming up in March. So about to get about to be a pretty busy time for me. All right, sounds good, man. You're doing some big things. I like that. I like that. Um, so why do you like the SFL? Uh, like competition. Period. Um, I mean, when I family. Uh, I mean, everybody might not get along all the time really family atmosphere especially with a lot of people who are related brothers and kids and everything all together so I like how it's a from different all walks of different life can come together and about and about football as well so I love football and um, so that's why I like the SFL and um, just the experience overall like you can pretty much be whatever you want to be whether you want to just be a player or coach or owner um, it's very simulation like like it gives you the opportunity to be whatever you want to be like more than likely i probably would never own my nfl own nfl franchise one day it's a chance you never know never say never but (laughs) yeah it just gives you that outlet and people who might be good at a certain thing who will never get the opportunity they can do that whether they like i said some people physically can't play football so i just i like what it's all about absolutely i totally agree with that man um so what made it what motivated you to become a coach and have you ever coached before? Um, well, when I first ran across the SFL, which was literally just a random accident, I was scrolling on Bleacher Report. Um, and when I found out what it was and that people have their own teams, I, from that very first second, I, that was my goal was to have my own team. So I only, literally only joined so I could have my own team one day. I knew it wasn't going to happen just right off the back. So that's why I made my player, played seasons, and then worked my way up to being coach. And um, finally was able to, to get my own franchise. So uh, if anybody's out there just wanting to be ownership, don't just think it's going to happen just overnight. You have to put in the effort and show everybody that you committed to this league. And, and eventually you'll get there. Um, no worries. Um, have you ever coached yeah. before? Oh no, um, not not really, not officially for any like official teams like schools or anything. So, um, just like my little brothers, like flag team helping them, but I don't really count well, that. Well, so no, hey, you you coach question. something, you know, it's flag football or something. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Hey, I helped them out. I helped them out. So yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> and so, how have you grown as a coach in comparison to last season? Um, I think just my my willing to take more chances. At first, I was I had a set playbook. I would make little small changes here and there, but I felt like that it was so good that it worked. But this season, um, I'm did a complete 180, 180. Um, and I also realized that it's it's not about the highest rates. So I usually want to get the highest player, the highest rated, so he can do the best. But I'm more focused now on I don't really care what your rating is as long as you fit 
our culture and uh, I think it's more about the, having the right people in your organization and just taking whoever can get the, the max contract or the highest stats or whatever it is because at the end of the day that's the people that you're going to want to be riding with you so uh, I feel like that changed a lot then when I first got my right. own team I just wanted to well, be well you're competitive by nature so definitely I can understand why you made that decision <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah, I, want, I, want I understand. I definitely understand that too. I'm like that too. So, um, so what teams are you looking right. forward to playing this year, and why? And it could be one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, going over our schedule. Yeah, going over our schedule. I would, uh, I'm definitely looking forward to playing Queen City, um, Sioux Falls as well. Uh, basically, those are just. They like measuring stick games because those teams, they always in the playoffs. They're always competitive. Even over down year, they may sneak in the playoffs. So those are always two tough teams to play. So I'm interested in playing them because that lets me know where our team is. If we can stay competitive with them or, or even beat them, that lets me kind of know that we are on our right path. To That's right. All Absolutely. All day. All right. And so what team are you least le- looking forward to playing this year? Um, <laughs> probably the same, the same, the same two teams actually for that exact reason. They're both those teams so good, you never know. You might get blown out. I mean, I doubt it, but you never know. If anybody would do it, it would be one of those teams. So yeah, I would pick them for the exact same reason. They, they great organizations that are ran by top people in this league, and Absolutely. they always bring it every week. Sounds good. So where do you see yourself in five years in the SFL or in life? SFL wise, probably I don't know, doing the same thing I'm doing now. Like I, I love being able to run a team and recruit people and talk to numerous people. Um, in life, uh, hopefully higher up in my company. I uh, work in some accountant, this company called Global Tech. So hopefully keep working my way up and making a lot more money than I am now. Um, I, was, I was thinking about possibly moving in the next few years, maybe either back to Dallas or maybe Florida. I love Clearwater, Florida. I love going down there and hanging on the beach. So that might be an option down the road too. So uh, hopefully one of those, one of those. Sounds good. Sounds good to me. And so this is the part of the interview where if you, you can plug anything that you want. So if you want to have, you have any special messages, you want to give any shout outs, you want to say anything. This is like your, the last word for you. Anything special you want to say? Well, uh, I shout out the league, shout out to Cam for his vision. And mm-hmm. like, it's crazy. I know he works ridiculously hard and uh, just to keep it all together, especially I can only imagine what all he has. I think I'm a busy person. I can only imagine what he does. Um, want to shout out all the Desperados. I appreciate We got to, I love our team, our group, of course. We might not talk every single day, but people think they may not even see our players but they definitely active they come in they handle their business so I want you to shout out to the whole Desperados uh, welcome you and Garen to the team uh, and I'm just looking forward to a great season I think season 12 might be one of the best seasons the SFL ever had because it's a lot of great teams and everybody bringing you know, you don't know teams on the bottom may rise to the top, to the top vice versa and uh, also go Cowboys we went in the ship this year so Dallas oh Cowboys here we go. Well, you know what it is <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew. I'm still kind of upset about that Bears game, man. It was just, it was just bad. 
I mean, but how many field goals does it take for you? Come on. One job. That one job. You better make it happen. (laughs) We going off track here. (laughs) But I want to thank you so much for taking time out to do this interview with me. And I'll probably have you on again if you would like to come. You know, anytime you're welcome. Anytime, you know, you want to come and hang out with me, you can do that. Yeah, I, yeah. I thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. All right, sounds yeah, good. Let me know. I'll rock well, with you. Yeah, thank you so much for your time. And next it. up, we have uh, my review from picks from week one, and my okay. pick. back people with our review for week one um i think i did pretty good in my picks i'm half right half wrong five and five so you know not too bad um apologies earlier my voice did get cut off of the interview segment a little bit i'm having a little technical difficulties with that but that should be sorted out by the next time but here are the reviews so we had some great games over the weekend and the very first one was Baltimore versus Alaska. And this was a classic David and Goliath action packed game right here. And <clears throat> although Alaska had a unbelievable 14-0 season last year, they did find themselves struck down by the Rock of David in this Baltimore offense. Here are some of the stats. For passing, Baltimore had 221 yards, Alaska had 261, rushing 158 for Baltimore, and 20 yards rushing for Alaska. Total yardage, 379 for Baltimore and 281 for Alaska. One turnover for Baltimore and three for Alaska. Bishop Warfield had 115 yards and two touchdowns for Baltimore, and Jeff Camo for Alaska had 93 yards and one touchdown. Rushing yards, Troy Gaines had a fantastic game for Baltimore, 163 yards. And Jason Williams, sub J, for Alaska had 16 yards. Let's see, uh, tackling. We have Andrew for Alaska with 10 tackles. And Kevin Bain for Alaska with eight tackles. Sex. We have Miles Jackson, my hubby. Hey, baby. One sack. We have, uh, let's see, Kevin Bain again with four sacks for Alaska. And Alex Big Sexy Dominguez for Alaska. One sack. Passing. Mike Dazzo for Baltimore had 221 yards and two touchdowns. Ron Cochran for Alaska had 261 yards and one touchdown. Field gold, we have Shark Tarkington for Baltimore, three out of three made, while A. Aaron DeHood for Alaska had only one of two made. Kick returns, Joshua Paul for Alaska, 116 yards for Cody, Cody Apollo for Baltimore, had 23 yards. Pick one, my pick. Did I pick Baltimore to win this game? No, I did say that my heart was, my heart wanted them to win, but I chose Alaska. So uh, 
got that one wrong. And player of the game was Bishop Warfield, wide receiver, had six receptions, 151 yards, two touchdowns, 19.2 yards per catch. Congratulations, Mr. Warfield. Next up, we have St. Louis versus Dallas. Oh, and apologies, Baltimore 23, Alaska 10. Now we have St. Louis versus Dallas. In this nail biter, St. Louis and Dallas had a shootout of the offenses that resulted in like a last team standing sort of thing. So in this case, Dallas had a chance to win the game. All they needed to do was get out of bounds so they could stop the clock to score, but they couldn't do it, unfortunately. St. Louis, 35, Dallas, 29. Here are some stats. For St. Louis, passing was 358 yards. Dallas, 413. Rushing, 111 for St. Louis. 59 for Dallas. Total yardage for St. Louis, 472 yards, while Dallas had 469. In turnovers, St. Louis had none and Dallas had none. Pretty clean game. Receiving. Tristan Carr, 117 yards and two touchdowns for Dallas. And Junior Senior, the third for Dallas, 162 yards and one touchdown. Rushing, Denzel Diaz for St. Louis had 115 yards and two touchdowns. And Zach Sandlin for Dallas had 59 yards. Tackle, Ethan Kyle. St. Louis, eight tackles, while Drew Reilly for St. Louis had seven tackles. Sack, Shane Masters with two sacks for St. Louis, and Nessie Mitchell for Dallas with had two sacks as well. Passing, Jaquez Ulandola at Fort. 413 yards and three touchdowns. Great job. Dallas, Mitchell Moody, St. Louis. Uh, well, I'm sorry. That was for Dallas. Mitchell Moody for St. Louis had 358 yards and three touchdowns. Great job, Mitchell. Great job. Let's see. Field goal. Manuel Manuel for Dallas. Three out of three field goals. Kick returns, Jake Swam for St. Louis had 116 yards, and Harold Miner for Dallas had 98 yards. Player of the game was Mitchell Moody with 358 yards, making 21 out of 34 passes and three touchdowns, 110.8 quarterback rating. I did pick St. Louis to win, so I got that one right. All right, now we have the Tulsa Desperados versus the OKC Renegades. And in this classic rivalry, Tulsa won over OKC 27-10. Defenses, the defenses were the stars of this show and keeping everything tied up for a while. Gabe Ledoux had a fantastic night with six and a half sacks, which actually helped quiet OKC offenses considerably. Here's how it all worked out. Passing. 
Tulsa, 310 yards. OKC, 246. Running, 89 yards. OKC, 38 yards. Total yardage for Tulsa was 399 yards. For OKC, was 284. We had one turnover each. And I believe my interception was from Miss Thomasina Ramen. Strong safety. First interception. I'm sure it won't be the last, so congratulations, girls. We've got to look out for each other. Girls. <laughs> but um, receiving, Stephen Bush for Tulsa had 103 yards and one touchdown. Tiberius Bovine for OKC had 102 yards and one touchdown. Sanzo Robinson for Tulsa had 77 yards in rushing and one touchdown as well. And J.W. Doyle, what's up, Mr. Doyle? OKC had 38 yards. Tackle had Jam Pearson for OKC with nine tackles. And John Gregory for OKC with nine tackles as well. In sacks, Mr. Give the do thy day from Tulsa with six and a half sacks. Great job, man. Great job. And Damon Misalinski for OKC with two sacks. Field goals had Andrew Wheeler for Tulsa with two out of two field goals made. And Johnny Omega from OKC with one out of one field goals made. On kick returns, we had Bubba Marshall for OKC with 108 yards and Charles Ball for Tulsa, 62 yards. And I feel as though I am missing. Ah, passing, passing. Uh, Ashley Jackson for Tulsa, 310 yards and two touchdowns. And Mr. Deacon Nickens for OKC, 246 yards and one touchdown. And I was named player of the game, Ashley Jackson, 310 yards, two touchdowns, and 107.6 quarterback rating. And while I am grateful for that, um, that honor, I feel as though I have to share that with Ghibli Dude because he did deserve that as well with those six and a half sacks that's that's awesome home field well this is Sioux Falls in Las Vegas home field may have played a great part in this matchup between Las Vegas and Sioux Falls and did Thomas Raman and friends deliver on their word of saying they were going to win they did they did prevail and the score was Sioux Falls 24 and Las Vegas 27. Some stats are for Sioux Falls 322 yards passing. Las Vegas had 228. For rushing, we had 102 yards for Las for Sioux Falls. And for Las Vegas, 71. Total yardage for Sioux Falls was 424 yards, while Las Vegas had 299. And there were two turnovers for Sioux Falls as well. But time possession showed that Las Vegas held the ball longer than Sioux Falls did. So I guess that would 
answer the question as to why they won. Um, the time of possession for Las Vegas was 24.27 and Sioux Falls is 18.57. 1857, rather. Receiving, we have Riley Porter, 93 yards, one touchdown for Sioux Falls. Sean Harrelson for Sioux Falls with 105 yards as well. Rushing, Colin Hart for Sioux Falls, 101 yards and one touchdown. And Robert Redford for Las Vegas, one touchdown, 74 yards. On tackle, Mr. Max Jackson for Las Vegas, 10 tackles. And Mr. Alex Parker for Sioux Falls with nine tackles. Sacks, we have Mike Johnson with Las Vegas for three sacks. And Tyrone Black for Sioux Falls with one sack. Passing, Julian Tyree for Sioux Falls with 322 yards and two touchdowns. And Thomas Rahman, Las Vegas, 22 yards, two touchdowns. I'm sorry, that's got to be 222 yards and two touchdowns. Of apologies. Um, field goal, uh, Matt Rage, Las Vegas, two for two. And Mr. Semi Prefontaine for Sioux Falls is one of two. And on kick returns, we have Mr. Riley Porter for Sioux Falls with 123 yards. And Mr. Max Jackson for Las Vegas, 104 yards. Player of the game was Mr. Thomas Rahman with uh, 32 out of 38 um, passes made. He had 228 yards. My apologies, I said 222 before. It is actually 228 yards for Mr. Rahman. And two touchdowns, 109.2 quarterback rating. Great job, guys. I did pick Sioux Falls to win this one and unfortunately I was wrong and I forgot to tell you that of course I did pick Tulsa to win um, before too alright and next up we have Denver versus Indianapolis the Indianapolis Spitfires hosted the Denver Nightwings at Hoosier Memorial Stadium and I found myself wondering did the addition of T.D. Drew and Kramer Jackman and, and the addition of Hayapo Kinloa, would that really make a difference for these teams? And obviously for one of them, it did. Denver won 23, Indianapolis 20. Here are the stats. For passing, for Denver, 195 yards. To Indies, 238. For rushing, it's 103 yards. To Indies, for Denver. And Indianapolis had 131 yards. Total yardage, 298 for Denver. And 369 for Indy. No turnovers for Denver. For Denver but Indianapolis had just one. For receiving, we had Leonidas Richards for Indianapolis, 103 yards, one touchdown. And we have Hayapu Kinola for Denver, 
77 yards, one touchdown. Rushing, Keith Swearingen for Indy. 121 yards and one touchdown. While Jared McChesney for Denver had 103 yards. On tackle, we had Paul Connolly for Indianapolis with nine tackles. And Marty McCree for Denver with nine tackles. Sacks, Mr. James Dunn for Indianapolis, one sack. And Mr. E.Z. Temple for Indianapolis, one sack. Passing, T.D. Drew for Indianapolis, 238 yards and one touchdown. Josh Miller for Denver, 195 yards and one touchdown. Field goals, Kramer Jackman, Denver, three out of three field goals made. And Adam Vincek for Indianapolis had two out of three field goals made. Kick returns, Mr. Hunter Jones for Indianapolis, 148 yards. And Mr. Steven Vega for Denver, 93 yards. Player of the game was Mr. Josh Miller, 195 yards, one touchdown, and 101, oh, sorry, 111.2 quarterback rating, making 19 out of 25 completions. Fantastic, guys. I did pick Indianapolis to win this one. And next up, we have Atlanta versus Vancouver. And while there were no penalties in this game, the extreme cold weather must have affected the Atlanta Swarm very deeply because um, Atlanta lost 17-38. Vancouver, Vancouver just had the answers, you know, um, with this particular game. And here are the stats. Passing for Atlanta was 275 to Vancouver's 200. Rushing was 52 yards. Uh, Vancouver's rushing was 153. Total yardage for Atlanta was 327 yards, where Vancouver had 399. Uh, turnovers for Atlanta was 8, and Vancouver was 2. So I think um, those turnovers definitely did a number on Atlanta. But I'm sure they're going to be better next week. Receiving, Mr. Brett Killian for Vancouver had 174 yards, one touchdown. While Sage Falco for Atlanta had 125 yards and one touchdown. Rushing, Ivan Sanchez for Vancouver had 156 yards and two touchdowns. BDG Hollywood for Atlanta, 52 yards. Uh, tackle, Aquatus Shine for Atlanta had 11 tackles. Mr. Frank Champion for Vancouver had 8 tackles. Sacks, Franklin had half sack for Vancouver. And Dre Collins for Vancouver also had a half sack. And Mr. Joshua Williams for Atlanta had a sack. Uh, Phil Gold. Ashley kicked like a girl finch. Vancouver, one of one. Hey, girl. She was actually the very first woman in the SFL, guys, just in case you didn't know that. Miss Ashley kicked like a girl finch. Keep it going, girl. And Alex Kidd for Atlanta with one out of one field goal made. Kick returns, we have Javion Walker for Atlanta, 121 yards. 
and Chris Braun, Mr. Chris Braun, Lord, for Vancouver with 37 yards, uh, passing Tom Pepper for Vancouver, 246 yards and three touchdowns, while Marcus Dunhill for Atlanta had 275 yards with two touchdowns. Player of the game was Mr. Ivan Sanchez, halfback, uh, 156 yards, two touchdowns, and two reception yards. Congratulations, Vancouver. You did a fantastic job. I did pick Atlanta to win that one, and I was uh, a little off that one. And next up, we have Mexico City versus Carolina. Mexico City beat Carolina in this matchup. Um, and with some adjustments, Mr. Johnny Savage can get his team back on the right path again. But congrats to uh, Mexico City for this big win. Here are the stats. Mexico City passing was 349 yards to Carolina's 190. Rushing was 95 yards to Carolina 17 yards. Total yardage for Mexico City was 444 yards. Carolina had 207 yards. Mexico City had two turnovers, and Carolina had four. Receiving yardage. Mike, Mike Daggs for Mexico City, 101 yards with two touchdowns. And K.L. Barrett for Mexico City had 121 yards and one touchdown. Rushing, Mr. Ray Bentley for Mexico City had 99 yards and one touchdown. While Mr. Randy Mercury had for Carolina had 17 yards. At tackle, Johnny Savage for Carolina had nine tackles. And Jeffrey Dax for Mexico City had nine tackles. For sacks, Larry Bain for Carolina had two and a half sacks, while Mr. Christopher Cologne for Carolina had uh, one and a half sacks as well. Passing, Mr. Matt Williams. Wilson for Mexico City had 349 yards and five touchdowns. And Mr. Mark Buttocks for Carolina had 190 yards with one touchdown. And there were no field goals in this game, but the kick returns. Harish Prasad, 197 yards for Carolina. And Mr. Jeffrey Daggs. Mexico City had 81 yards. Player of the game was Matt Wilson. 24 out of 36 uh, passes made, 349 yards total, five touchdowns, and 114.5 quarterback rate. Good job. And I did choose Mexico City for this game. Next up, we have Queen City versus Chicago. Queen City and Chicago, two playoff contenders from last year, clashed in the Thunderdome in Chicago. And although Chicago had two turnovers and Queen City had none, Chicago still came out victorious in this matchup. Queen City, 10. Chicago, 17. Here are some stats. Passing, Queen City, 239 yards, while Chicago had 189. Rushing, 68 yards for Queen City and 179 for Chicago. 
total yardage was 307 yards for Queen City and 368 yards for Chicago. And Queen City had no turnovers while Chicago had two. Receiving Mr. Chris Curtis, Queen City had 132 yards and one touchdown. Mr. Buhannon Simmons for Chicago had 89 yards. Rushing Jared Willis for Chicago had 170 yards and one touchdown, while Ash Odom for Queen City had 59 yards. Tackle, Avery King had 10 tackles for Queen City, and Zane Dottie had 8 tackles for Queen City. Sack, Clint Hendershot for Chicago had one sack. And Kevin Owens for Chicago had one sack as well. Passing, A.J. Caswell for Queen City, 239 yards and one touchdown. Another A.J. And E.T. King for Chicago had 199 yards and one touchdown. Kick returns. Uh, J.K. Johnson for 90 yards for Queen City. I'm sorry, J.K. Johnson III, 90 yards for Queen City. And Corey Carter for Chicago, 65 yards. Field goal, Jesus Garcia, one of one field goal for Chicago. Ricky Matthews uh, for Queen City, one of one field goal. And the player of the game was Jared Willis from Chicago. 172 yards, one touchdown, 13 reception yards. And I did pick Chicago to win this one. In Houston, Texas, the New Orleans Pharaohs did battle with the Houston Hyenas. And while Houston made it to the finals last year, Xander Gold had an answer for them this year by winning 24-12. New Orleans, 24, Houston, 12. Just for clarification purposes. Some stats are, for passing, New Orleans had 286 yards, while Houston had 273. Rushing, New Orleans had 69, while Houston had 52. Total yardage, 355 yards for New Orleans and 325 yards for Houston. Turnovers, New Orleans had two. Houston only had one. Receiving. Deezer Powell for New Orleans had 148 yards and one touchdown. Matt Wolf for New Orleans had 88 yards. Russian Logan Jack for New Orleans had 74 yards, and Warren Murray for Houston had 52 yards. Tackles Tristan Haitley for Houston had seven tackles, and Eddie Gage for Houston had seven tackles as well. Sacks Coleman Fletcher. For New Orleans had two sacks and Chad Tackle had for Houston had one sack. Passing Sander Gold for New Orleans had 286 yards and three touchdowns, while Kentez Johnson for Houston had 273 yards. Field goals David Griffin for Houston had four out of four made, while Zen Lee for New Orleans had one of one field goal made. Kick returns. Aaron Arrington for New Orleans had 100 yards, while Josh Fed for Houston had 97. The player of the game was Xander Gold, the quarterback. Um, he had 
31 out of 34 passes made, 287, I'm sorry, 286 yards, three touchdowns, and a quarterback rating of 106.6. Great job. I did pick Houston to win this game, so I was wrong about that one. And in the last matchup for the week, we had London Knights versus the San Francisco Sharks. London did venture to uh, the Shark Tank in San Francisco. I'm wondering, did Rob Roy and company lead their team to victory or not? Unfortunately, not this time. The Sharks won 21-17. to Here's a breakdown. London passing 315 yards for San Francisco, 308 yards. For London, rushing 119 yards while San Francisco had 19. Total yardage, 434 yards for London and 321 yards for San Francisco. London had six turnovers while San Francisco had three. Those turnovers, interceptions make a difference in the game. They really do. I've thrown a few myself, so I totally understand. Um, Receiving, Matt Burnham for San Francisco, 180 yards and one touchdown, while Ken Mercargo for London had 145 yards and one touchdown. Rushing, Mr. Reggie Streeter, London, 119 yards, and Mr. Olgan Zulu for San Francisco, 19 yards. We have Chad Guy for San Francisco with 12 yards and Jacob Gustafsson for nine yards. I'm sorry, nine tackles. For sacks, we have John Osiris for San Francisco with one sack and Frank Snotty for San Francisco with one sack. Passing, Rob Royby for 315 yards and two touchdowns. And Dylan Asil for San Francisco, 308 yards and two touchdowns. Field goal, Nate O'Dell made one for one for London. Kick return, have 78-yard 70, kick return from Gabriel Manning for San Francisco. And, and Mr. Jeff Melanition for London had... 67 yards. Player of the game was Matt Burnham, wide receiver, 180 yards, uh, 13 receptions, one touchdown, and 13.8 yards per catch. I did pick San Francisco to win this game, and um, I was right about that one. Tallahassee had a bye week, so they had a chance to preview everybody and see what they have uh, to look forward to this season. And now we have my picks for week two. All right, and the pick is in for next week anyway. My week two picks uh, are as follows. Now, I am taking what I did see week one in consideration while I'm making this these um picks and I do want to tell you guys and gals please don't take what I say to heart these are just guesses so don't at me in the chat saying why didn't you pick me it's all about fun 
okay? And I wish everyone could win. Like, if we could all just have all tied games, that way we can all be happy. But, you know, it doesn't work like that. So, um, you know, if you're one of the teams that won, congratulations, you know. If you're one of the teams that lost, you know, um, you'll get them next time. But just don't get wrapped up in the moment. Try not to get too high or too low. That way you won't have far to fall, you know. But, all right, so my picks for week two. Um, Friday, January the 11th, New Orleans versus Atlanta. Um, I think that Marcus has something to prove, and I'm going to go with Atlanta. Um, sorry, Xander Gold, you did have a fantastic uh, week last week, but I think Marcus is going to get you this weekend. I think... That is probably going to be by mm, a field goal. I'm going to say it's going to be very close. January 12th, Chicago versus uh, Mexico City. Actually, that New Orleans and Atlanta game is at 7 p.m. And the Chicago and Mexico City game is at 1 p.m. And I am going to go with mm, Mexico City on this one. Um, I think that they have a nice steamroll going. So I'm thinking that they might beat Chicago. Mm, I'm going to guess by three as well. Because Chicago is a force to be wagoned with too. I don't want to take anything from them. Um, on Sunday, January 13th, we have uh, Tallahassee coming fresh off a of bye week. You know, they had plenty of time to rest and to look at everyone else's games and see what they're going to do. And they're going to be playing Sioux Falls. But I have Sioux Falls winning by seven because Tallahassee took a break. I think they have some, a little bit of rust they need to knock off first before they uh, actually win. But who knows? I mean, I might be wrong. Let's see. I have Baltimore and Las Vegas. Uh, January 13th as well. And I have Baltimore winning by five. <clears throat> I think that um, Baltimore's offense is a force to be reckoned with. And while Las Vegas, you know, Thomas is is fantastic quarterback, I'm just not sure if their defense is ready, but we're going to see. Uh, London versus Denver. Got Denver by three. Um, Vancouver versus Queen City. I have Vancouver by three. And January 14th, have Houston at Carolina. I have Carolina by seven. I think Carolina's going to make a comeback. Johnny Savage has something to prove after they, they lost. Uh, let's see. San Francisco and Indianapolis. I'm going to go with Indy by three. And, of course, Tulsa at Dallas. I'm going to have us winning by three. I think that's going to... That's going to wind up happening, I think. If I'm wrong, you know, I will be the first one to say I apologize, you know, and for doubting you. But, you know, these are just fun picks for me. Well, guys, this ends my show for the evening. I hope that you all had as much fun 
listening to this as I had making it. And again, special thanks to Dion for coming out and um, chilling with me. If you would like to be interviewed by me, just, you know, let me know and we can work out a schedule, put something together so you can um, share some of your thoughts with the SFL and its members and future members as well. Thank you, SF, for chilling with me tonight. And I hope that you found this podcast informative. And next week, I'll be back with these same great segments, plus another interview with a great guest. And as always, have a wonderful night, and I'll see you next week. Striker out. Mm-hmm.